Well, it's just so good to be with you tonight, and I appreciate everybody coming, just from wherever you have come from, to be with us during this weekend of uh, meetings and conference speaking and so forth. But you know, we've had that for decades in America. We have camp meetings, we have meetings, we have conferences, and they're all valuable and they're all important. But if they miss the mark, then it was all in vain. And everything is not to get us to a camp meeting, but it's to get us to Jesus, to be with him, to sit with him at his feet in his presence. And so I'm humbled that you're here. And I pray with all of my heart that you are being encouraged and inspired to draw close to Jesus Christ. Jesus is not simply our theology. He is our life. He is everything to us. He is real. He is personable. He is our friend, our savior, our lover. And only through the Holy Spirit can we know Jesus. Only through him and only by him. And one of the, if not the greatest gift that Jesus Christ has given to the church is his very own Holy Spirit, who has come to be our encouragement, our encourager, our comforter, our strength, our companion. He's come to tell us all about Jesus. He's come to reveal Jesus to us, to make Jesus known to us. And it is my humble desire, my greatest desire for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. For you to crave the Holy Spirit, to actually be desperate for Him. Because the one that you're pursuing and what you're pursuing can only come from the help of the Holy Spirit. I believe the activity and the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the grace of God in action. What the Holy Spirit is doing in your life and what He wants to do in your life, I believe is the grace of God in action. And I thank the Lord that the Holy Spirit is active tonight. Because he's come into this world to make Jesus Christ known. He's come to lift up Jesus Christ. He's come to encounter and to overcome the darkness in our city and in our communities, in our nation, in our world. With the authority and the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. The powers that Jesus Christ defeated 2,000 years ago on Calvary. The Holy Spirit is here to enact that. Now we believe in the coming of the Lord and the rapture of the church. And we believe that Jesus Christ will return to this earth. And then and only then will the peace of God and the glory of God fill the earth. But we are the church of the living God. We are the habitation of God by the Holy Spirit. That has to mean something. And I pray with all of my heart that it will mean something to you. And that it would stir up your heart and your life. Because I pray that we would be desperate tonight to really be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe the tragedy of our day is Pentecostal churches are not spirit-filled. And Pentecostal people are not living in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have reduced ourselves to intellectualism, traditions, and formalities. And to that, we are losing our cities and we're losing our culture. To Marxism, to methods, to demonism... Our world is in confusion. Our societies are in confusion. We have a Supreme Court justice who was just nominated that cannot tell you what a woman is. We are in desperate need of courage because she knows what a woman is. But she's bowed to the gods of this world. And would to God that the church of Jesus Christ will not bow. And whether we live or die, let it be said that we did not bow. Because the truth of God is unchanging. 
an unchanging truth. As I just come to you tonight, humbly, I do believe that I have a word for us tonight from the Lord. I believe it is a word for this time that we're living in. I believe we're living in the last days. I believe Jesus is coming soon. I believe in the imminency of the coming of Jesus Christ and the rapture of the church. I believe that could happen at any moment. I believe it because the Bible teaches that. And I'm excited about that. But I do believe that before God will bring the greatest judgment this world has ever seen, I believe God will give and desires to give the greatest revelation of Jesus this world has ever seen outside of Jesus. I believe that God is great in the earth today. I would to God that he would be great in you and great in your churches, great in our lives. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. This is where I'm going to be reading mostly from today. And I pray that you will look with me in the scriptures as we turn to primarily Ephesians chapter 3. But we will also go to some other chapters. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 will be one of those that we go to tonight. And I do come before you. There's just such an element of fear and trembling in me tonight. Because I do believe that what is in my heart to share with you is extremely important. And I believe that you need the Holy Spirit to even understand it. And so I'm going to ask, if you will, to really pray again with me. Please pray with me. Please really pray. Would you? Can we take authority over the enemy? Can we take authority over all the deception and the lies that are going on? And can we just really believe, would you pray, God, speak to me? It may not be anything that I say tonight. That's okay. But pray that God would speak to you tonight. So pray with me, please. Father, in the name of Jesus. We humble ourselves before you, Father. I feel the gravity of this moment. I feel the urgency of this message, Lord. Father, it's not the first time that it has been proclaimed and even taught because you wrote it through Paul 2,000 years ago. But Father, it falls upon us in this hour to hear it and to believe it and by faith to live in it. I thank you, Lord, that what you've opened up to us is very real. But Lord, primarily, we've lived for decades not really seeing this. And Lord, let us believe in the name of Jesus tonight of what you desire to do through your Holy Spirit and for the glory of Jesus Christ in the earth today. We're humbled that we get to be your servants in this hour, possibly the hour that sees your return. And we love you, Jesus, with all of our hearts. We love you. All of this is for you. And Lord, I just confess to you my inadequacies and my weakness. May your grace be upon me tonight with great strength and power. And Father, I don't care how you do it. Doesn't matter to me. I just pray you do it. I pray you speak. I pray that you give us revelation knowledge of your heart and your desires in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, I want you to begin with me in verse 9. Paul is talking about the fellowship of the mystery. The mystery is the church of Jesus Christ. And he says in verse 9 of Ephesians 3, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now... Unto principalities and powers in heavenly places. 
might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause, not Paul's tribulations, but for this cause, the eternal purpose of God that he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The manifold wisdom of God being demonstrated through the church is the cause. And most people don't even know what the church is. The church has become more of a social activity than understanding it is an incredible privilege that we have been born into this. We are the church. The stones that God has taken from the mire and the sin and the darkness of this world and made us alive and made us the body of Jesus Christ so that we would be the habitation of God through the Holy Spirit. And it is through that that God's eternal desire is going to be known. I want you to just see that it is not going to be known without the church. It will not. It cannot happen without the church. And for the church to be able to demonstrate that, then all of us in here, we must understand our accountability and our desperation for the Holy Spirit. Because if we are lovers of God, and I trust that you are, if we are lovers of God, then the primary desire in our hearts should be like David was in the Old Testament. God, I want your heart. I want your heart. I want to go after God, and I want to go after the heart of God. I don't want the preacher's heart. I don't want the pastor's heart. I don't want the church's heart. I want the heart of God. And he tells us right here in Ephesians chapter 3, this is God's eternal purpose. And if this is God's eternal purpose and you're a lover of God, then I'm asking you with all of my heart, take up the cause. Take it up. Make it yours. If nobody else does, make it yours. Because you and God are invincible. There's nothing impossible with God. And let a man or woman of faith join themselves to God and believe him. And the impossibilities of God will come through your life. And so Paul says, for this cause, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named for this cause. I want to give you some definitions tonight. The definition of the church from the Thayer's Greek Dictionary, says that the church is a gathering of people called out from their homes into some public place to worship and fellowship. Two or three years ago, the devil took occasion to try to silence the church of Jesus Christ in our nation and in the world. I believe as the world was going through a transition of fundamental change, That it will never go back to the way that it was before. The church was postured in its greatest moment. But God is the redeemer. And he redeems our moments. We must be prepared. That there is something more important than our life. There's something more important than our death. There's something more important than our comforts, something more important than our finances, something more important than weekend ball. 
And that is the cause of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, that can only be demonstrated through the church of Jesus Christ. And we cannot be silent, and we cannot be stagnant, and we cannot take our orders from this world that does not know God. We must walk in the Holy Spirit. And the purpose and the definition of church is a gathering of people called out from their homes into some public place to worship and fellowship. Fellowship is the joint participation, intercourse and intimacy. It is the producing of life and the sharing of life and the giving of life. That's what the fellowship of the church is. It's not a, an ice cream social or a dinner. It's the body of Christ fellowshipping with each other, edifying each other, encouraging each other. The love of God moving through your life into someone else. The gifts of the Holy Spirit actually moving through you into someone else. It's receiving and giving. If you've been given mercy, give it. The gifts of the Spirit moving through your life. All of these to make known God's manifold wisdom. It was for this purpose for which all things have been made. The purpose of creation, the purpose of the heavens and the earth are all for this eternal purpose through which only the church can bring it about through the power of God. God's eternal desire is that the wisdom of God would be manifest by the church. It would not be seen, God's wisdom, by the formation of the sun, the stars, the earth, the seas, the mountains, the floods, the quasars, the galaxies. It would not be seen by that. It was not enough to show it by the things that have been created or the creation of intelligent beings. Not even the angels in their glory before God can reveal the manifold wisdom of God. That is reserved to the church of Jesus Christ. The formation of immortal minds on earth, the various ranks of angelic beings cannot demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God. There are views of the divine character of God which can only be obtained in connection to redemption that is found in the church of Jesus Christ. The manifold wisdom of God is not simply great wisdom. But it is the wisdom of God that is diversified and varied. It's not the glimpse of God and the stunning wisdom that he has in that moment. But it is the transcendent wisdom of God that comes from before time, through time, and beyond time. The wisdom of God is seen in all of its transitions and dispensations. It's like the ever-varying and changing of a sunset where the clouds are just magnificent and the colors begin to change. It's the variety of those colors. It's not that there's just one color at sunset. There's so many and they're changing constantly before us as we marvel and we're captivated by the beauty of a sunset. And such might compare to the wisdom of God. The panoramic view of a massive landscape. The great variety, all intending to lead to excited admiration of God. A beautiful and well-ordered variety of dispensations, all of which tend to manifest the wisdom of God. There is not one form or phase of wisdom. It is wisdom, ever varying, ever beautiful, but can only be fully demonstrated through the fellowship of the church of Jesus Christ. There was wisdom manifested through God, even in the plan to form creation from 
that to the cross to Pentecost. Wisdom in the selection of the Redeemer. Wisdom in the incarnation. Wisdom in the atonement. Wisdom in the means of renewing the heart and sanctifying the soul. Wisdom in the various dispensations by which the church is sanctified, guided, and brought to glory. And all of this unto principalities and powers by the church, by the incarnation of the Redeemer to save the church, by the mercy shown through God to redeem the church, by the grace given by God to His people to impute His righteousness and holiness to the church, by all of these graces and beauties which that redeemed church alone can demonstrate, Will all heaven and earth and angelic principalities stand in awe of what God has done through the redemption of His Son to gain His church? And in every moment, the church should be declaring in some form or fashion that incredible wisdom of God that we only can demonstrate through the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Talking about the body of Christ and the church of Jesus. The Bible declares in the book of Hebrews, referring to Jesus, a body you have prepared for me and a body that you gave me. And Jesus was miraculously and wonderfully conceived in the womb of a virgin. And God gave his son this body of flesh and blood without sin and in absolute perfection. God, man, Jesus Christ walking on the earth in that human body. Like yours, but without sin. Filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. In that body, Jesus Christ defied the winds and the waves. In that body, Jesus Christ spoke to the blind and they could see. And he spoke to the lame and they could walk. And he would speak to the lepers and their skins were healed. And he would speak to the demons and they would obey him. And he would walk on the water in that body of flesh and blood like you. Whatever he wanted to do, that flesh and blood body of Jesus Christ was perfectly compatible to every desire that was in him. There was no limitation. Bring me the dead. I will raise them up. Bring me the lawyers. Bring me the Pharisees. Bring me the Sadducees. I will show them the righteousness of God. Bring me the sinners. Bring me the harlots. Bring me the outcasts. And I'll show you the love of God. I will show you through this human body what God is able to do through a man. And Jesus did that. No limitations whatsoever. He was empowered and anointed by the Holy Spirit. God gave Jesus that body. And Jesus left the Holy Spirit a body. And that body is the church of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit fully intended to step into that body and not miss a step of what Jesus had been doing in the earth. Bring me the sick. Bring me the sinner. Bring me the prodigals. Bring me the lame. Bring me the outcast. Bring me the confused. Bring me the devil possessed. Bring me whatever it is you will. And in that body called the church, I will continue to demonstrate the glory of Christ. And that was his desire. But the problem is we all have minds of our own and wills of our own. And oftentimes we grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit. We hinder the Holy Spirit. But if the Holy Spirit could have his way, 
I promise you in this hour, he would be getting such glory for Jesus Christ in the earth. There wouldn't be anybody mocking this God. Hollywood would think twice before it puts something out about the living God. They're scared of Allah, but not of Jehovah, because they're threatened by the violence of that kingdom. But would to God they'd see the glory of this one. Would to God that they would. It's our job to do it, church. It's our job to do it. It is for us to believe and to receive the power and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It is important for us to do that. And for that to happen, we as the church of Jesus Christ have to have the capacity to walk with, to work with, to serve with the Holy Spirit. We have to have the ability to communicate with him. We have to have the ability to be his friend, his companion, one that he can talk to. And in talking to us, we would be those who would believe him and see that it is done. I have three great children that I love very much. I was blessed when they were born. I was thankful when they were born. I couldn't wait for them to grow up so that I would have more companionship with them, friendship with them. I remember one of the first mission trips that I ever went on. It was about 30 years ago. And I went to the Philippines. Jordan, my daughter, was just an infant. She was maybe a year and a half, two years old. And I remember when we were leaving for that trip and we would be gone a couple of weeks, she was crying for me to stay. She didn't want me to leave. And it broke my heart to have to leave her. She's mine. I love her. I don't want to leave her. And I left and I sat on that airplane flying to the Philippines. And I dreamed of the day that my daughter would grow up with the capacity and the faculties to be able to walk with me in the will of God. I longed for the day when she was not immature, she was not a baby, when she had the skill to speak, the ability to love the understanding to hear, the compatibility to walk with me, to get with me on an airplane, to fly with me somewhere in the world, to serve God and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ with a worker by my side. And I thank God that that day came. And beloved, I say to you tonight, the Holy Spirit is delighted that you are His. The Holy Spirit is delighted that you are born into his family. The Holy Spirit is delighted that you are his son and you are his daughter. But the Holy Spirit longs. He longs within his bowels for the day that you mature. For the day that you are spiritually strong. And you have the capacity to walk with him in the will of God. When you can understand what he's doing and understand his desires and understand his commandments. Not like a child that you have to keep corralled. But like a partner who's joined with you in it. I hear you Holy Spirit. I'm with you Holy Spirit. You want to do that Holy Spirit. Yes, let's do that. I'm with you. And you walk with him with capacity to know him. One of the greatest tragedies of our day is not the fact that there's not a church. But there's an immature church. That doesn't have the capacity to be friends with God. 
The potential is there. When my daughter was a year and a half or two years old, she had all of the potential to have maturity, to talk with me and relate with me and travel with me. She had the potential, but the development had to take place. And so when you look at this and the cause that Paul is praying for the church, he's praying for them to mature. He's praying for them to come to strength. He's praying for them to come to power, not in their intellect, but in their spirits, that they would be able to know Christ in their hearts, that they would be able to fellowship in his life, which is power within their hearts. And that was the prayer of the apostle Paul and the desire of the apostle Paul in his life. You see, I've come to see that there's basically two groups of believers in the world. One group of believers are those that just kind of have a tremendous faith to trust God with anything. I just trust the Lord. And whatever life brings me, I just trust that my father's going to take care of me. I just trust that God knows what's best for me. And I'm just going to depend upon God that whatever comes my way, that God is filtering it for me. He knows what I can bear. He knows what I'm able. He's not going to let me be tempted beyond that. And God's going to make a way of escape. So it's all in God's hands. So whatever it is, it just is. And I'm going to trust God and I'm going to walk with God. And and there's a great faith in that. There is no doubt about it. But there's a limitation. There's a limitation in that type of a believer. That is a believer, when they hear the word no, they accept it. But there's another kind of believer. And this kind of believer has reached a maturity in the Holy Spirit. They have reached a compatibility with God, where they know the heart of God and they know the desires of God. And it doesn't come from studying books and intellectual expansion. It comes through intimacy and communion with God in the secret place comes by sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ that you long for with all of your heart and you desire to be with him. And when you sit with God in those places, you come away and you hear cries in God that you'll never hear anywhere else. You'll read the book of Psalms and you will hear how other people prayed, but you don't pray that way. You'll read in the book of Acts of what great men and women did in their walk with God, but you don't walk that way. You'll read about Moses and how Moses reacted with God and related to God. But you don't act that way. And they acted that way because they entered into the presence. They entered into God. And they walked with God and they heard things in God and they saw things in God and they understood God. And they had the capacity to relate to that. Such as Moses. When Moses is up in the mountain with God and the Ten Commandments are being given and the children of Israel are building their golden calf and dancing around it, rejecting the God that delivered them from Egypt. And God is speaking to Moses and God is telling Moses that the people have sinned against me and they're a stiff-necked people. And I want to destroy them and I want to make a nation of you. Moses says, no, no, God, no. And Moses begins to confront God. And Moses begins to enter in. This is a man without the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is a man that doesn't have access to near the things that we have access to. But he had access to the one that we all have access to. And Moses sees the fury of God. He sees the wrath of God rising up in God's face. He understands the anger of the Lord and God's intent that I would destroy Aaron. 
And Moses, through his intercession, begins to confront God to the point that, listen, God even said, let me alone, Moses. Let me alone, Moses, so that I can do this with them. And Moses continued to resist, not so, God. What would the nation say about you, God? What would they say, God, you were able to bring them out, but you weren't able to bring them in? Come on, God, this is for your glory. It's for your namesake. And Moses comes down from the mountain and he confronts the children of Israel. And he goes right up to Aaron and he says to Aaron, God was coming to kill you, Aaron, but I stood in the way. Oh my God, for a believer like that. For a believer like that. A believer that knows the heart of God and can walk up into the presence of God and say, God, save my grandchildren another year. Oh God, save this nation, God. Touch this people, God. Oh, to God, that we would have a believer that could walk with God so intimately. But you cannot apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the means by which all of this happens. The man who can move God. The man who can pray. The man who can walk with God. The women who can birth prophets into the world. And walk with God and hear the Lord. Oh, God, give us those people today. We have so many professors in pulpits today. And it's just wrecked our world. It's wrecked our nation. And I'm not against professors. And I'm not against study. And I'm not against intellectual understanding of God's word. Please don't misunderstand me. But the Bible says in Acts 3 through Acts chapter 4. That these apostles were unlearned men. But they walked with Jesus. And went to God that we would walk with Jesus Christ. Yet we've got so many in our pulpits today for decades. Just loving to rearrange the stones of the altar. Loving to quarter up the sacrifice and put it on top of the altar. But never recognizing that the fire is absent. We love to spread the table of our doctrines and our fundamental faith and our wonderful principles. And we do this week after week and month after month and year after year and nothing changes. But something is stirring up within the church of Jesus Christ now. Something is stirring up. It is a hunger within the people of God. It's a hunger that's saying to the people, don't talk to me about bread anymore, but give me bread. And don't talk to me about water anymore, but give me water. Give me this Christ. Give me this God. I long for spiritual reality. I long for it. Oh, I desire it. I long for it with all of my spirit and all of my heart. And there's a growing number of people all over our nation and even our world that are being marked with an insatiable hunger for the Spirit of God to rest upon them with power and with such great glory. Such great glory. I pray that your hunger. I pray that you understand this. Because how is God's manifest wisdom going to be seen in our day? Apart from the Holy Spirit. Giving us the grace and the power. To understand his heart. And his life. It's not through the principles. And the education. It's through the intimacy. Power with God does not come through theology. It comes through relationship. Relationship with God. Not that the other is wrong or bad. It's necessary. Study to show yourself approved. But there comes a point where you've got to enter into the presence. You've got to be with the living God. And you've got to hear the groans of his heart. And the longings that are within his soul. 
Not only for your own life, but for the lives of so many others. So I come to this tonight in Ephesians chapter 3. Seeking God, the worshiping heart. May the two find each other and they will. They will find each other. The seeking God and the worshiping heart. It's not the presence of God that makes the difference. It's the awareness of the presence of God that makes the difference. Some of you have been in the presence of God and you don't even know it. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, walked right into the face of the most devout religious people probably in all of history. And they could not recognize the presence of God. As a young man, Moses came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ while he was in Egypt. And he counted the reproach of Christ as greater rewards than all the things that Egypt could give him. But he took matters into his own hands as the Redeemer. And killed a man and fled for 40 years into the wilderness. He knew God. He knew Christ in Egypt. But it wasn't until he encountered the presence of God at the burning bush that he was transformed into a different man. Probably no greater prophet than Isaiah. First five chapters of his book and his prophecies, he's woeing the people. And he's doing it right. He's doing it correctly because the people are sinful and the people are wicked. And woe is you, and woe is you, and woe is you, and woe is you. But in chapter 6, the presence of God comes. And woe is me. It was the presence of God that changed Jacob. And here's another man that refused, no. Let me alone. No. Not till you bless me. Would to God... There was a strength within believers today that could wrestle with this God to get the blessing of God for their families, for our churches, and for our communities, and for our lives. That would banish depression from the house of God. And the suffering and people abused and molested and wounded could come and actually be healed. Actually eat the bread of life and the gifts of the Spirit authentically moving through the people of God with great power and might, and people are stunned at the manifest life of Jesus Christ. It was the presence of God that changed the apostles. The presence of God was so made tangibly real through Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And they would say, we are eyewitnesses of His glory. Oh, beloved, are you hungry? For him, ministers, drowning in your ministry, hardly time to turn around, having to work so hard, juggling everything from your ministry and your family and your finances and the problems of the church. Don't you miss him? He misses you. He longs for you. All he's wanted was your heart. He doesn't need you to preach. 
There's enough donkeys to do that. He needs you. He wants you. He wants you to be intimate with him. To love him. To long for him. But our hearts grow cold. Because we are not filled with his spirit. And his fire. I'm tired. Of just talking about altars and sacrifices. With no fire. The altar is never complete. Without the fire of God. Dear God follow me. I'm a hungry heart. For real bread. I'm a thirsty soul. For living water. I'm a believer in Jesus. In need. Of real intimacy with Jesus. It's so exhausting. To do things for God. When it's so freeing. To do things with God. In Ephesians chapter 3. I come to this and. I want to be careful to read it with you because. This is what I want you to see. I'll tell you what if you will. Would you back up to chapter 1. I want to lay something out with you. Because I want you as a good Christian. To be able to just see through the word of God. That because you're born again. There are things that do not automatically happen in your life. There are things that you have access to. You have potential now. And if you will by faith and grace pursue it. It shall be yours. And I'm not talking about five minutes in an altar. I'm talking about a holy desperation. For the promises of God in your life. Paul says in verse 15. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love to all the saints, I have not ceased to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is his prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's not automatic because you're born again. And just because you're born again does not mean that you don't need the help of the Holy Spirit so that you can have wisdom and reverence and the knowledge of God. And just because you're born again doesn't mean your understanding or the eyes of your understanding are enlightened. Because Paul's praying this for Christians. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know, and that is the request, because your eyes are enlightened, but to know this, to know what is the hope of his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now he tells us what that is in chapter 3. This is the eternal purpose of God through his church. And he also prays that they would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The same power that would raise Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that is accessible to every believer. But it's not automatic. And if it were automatic, Paul wouldn't have to pray that the church would know this. But it is something that he desired for them to know. This great power and this great authority through the Holy Spirit that is accessible to the church through grace and faith. Then he comes into chapter 3, if you would notice this with me. Remember, we've read through the cause and then we come to verse 16. Again, he's praying for the believers. He says in verse 14, I bow on my knees to the Father. 
And I pray this for you in verse 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. It's not that our brains are weak. It's not that our study is weak. It's not that our intellect is weak. Our inner man is weak. That man that has been redeemed, put inside of us, alive to God, must grow and develop and be strong. Only through the Holy Spirit can that inner man be strengthened. He's telling us that right there, that he would give you strength and power with his might in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love would be able to comprehend God's love with all the saints. This is interesting, verse 17, and I know I've said this to our church quite a bit, but I believe in the revelation of repetition. Because for so long we hear things, but we're not getting it. We, we, and it's not a matter of getting it intellectually. I'm not trying to speak to your head. I'm praying there'll be something that stirs up in your spirit. A holy discontent for the way that things are. Maybe for your own life. Maybe for the church of Jesus Christ. Maybe a concern for our cities and our nation. And he says that Jesus will dwell in your hearts by faith. That's what you preach to lost people. Hey, why don't you um, accept Jesus Christ? You need to pray that Jesus would dwell in your heart by faith. But Paul's not saying that to lost people. That is the prayer of the Apostle Paul to Christians. Paul is praying that believers would be able to know Christ indwelling their hearts by faith. What does he mean by that? And I love the Bible because it gives its own explanation. And the explanation is in chapter 4. And he says this in verse 17. I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. You're a believer. You can walk like Gentiles, but don't. They walk in the vanity of their mind. That means the emptiness of their souls and the futility of their minds. Don't walk like that. Don't live like that. They have their understanding darkened. The Gentiles do. They're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. They're alienated from God's life. That's Gentiles. We know that. We know that's Gentiles. But Paul is telling the believers in verse 17, don't you walk like a Gentile. And he's not talking about walking in drunkenness and being a thief and being immoral. He's not talking about that. He's talking about living in your soul power. He's talking about living in your self-will. He's talking about living in the capacity of your brains. Don't be like Gentiles and live that way. Your power does not come because you've memorized the Bible. Your power comes from your intimacy with God and the authority of the Holy Ghost inside of you. Don't live like Gentiles. Oh, and he prays for them that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. I want to come back to this. Are you all right? I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to come back to this, but I want you to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Which is an explanation maybe of what he's saying here in chapter 4 about being alienated from the life of God. And he says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, but as it is written, I has not seen 
nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But bless God, you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to find out. Because he says in the very next verse, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Do you see it? Do you hear it? Has it entered your heart, believer? Come on. I mean, this is a very real test of where you are spiritually. This is a test of the strength of your inner man. Did you smell God when he came in? Did you hear the rustling of his presence? Could you feel his robes just drape across you while he walked among us? Could you hear his groan for those that are hurting tonight? Could you hear it? Because he's a speaking God. But most Christians don't. But we pride ourselves on how mature we are and how strong we are. Because I've been in the church for 40 years. And I know the Bible. And I know it inside out. And I'm a Sunday school teacher. And I'm a teacher. Big deal. What's in the heart of God? What is the desires of the Lord? Where is his presence manifest? What is his longing in here tonight? What does he long to do? What does he want to do with you? What is he What is he trying to give you tonight? And so here he is telling us that there are things that the eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, the heart has not even experienced it. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. So I just ask you, if your inner man is of any strength, have you heard something otherworldly? Have you seen something otherworldly? Have you touched something that's supernatural? Most of the time we come in our natural ability. We see singers. We see people. We hear preachers. And we come into this environment and maybe we're affected or we're touched by something. When there is a God who desires to manifest his presence to us and show us things and speak to us about things and touch us with things that we can only know by the Holy Spirit. I continue, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And he says, God's revealed them to us by a spirit in verse 10. For the spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us by God. So how are you going to know the things of God? By the Spirit of God. Praise God that we have our Bibles, that we can test the things of the Spirit. Because he'll never disagree with his word. Which things also we speak. Not in the word which man's wisdom teaches. But which the Holy Ghost teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man. Receives not the things of the spirit. For their foolishness to him. Neither can he know them. Because they're spiritually discerned. We have multitudes of Christians. Who treat the things of God as foolishness. Altars. Prayers, praise, worship, singing, dancing, shouting, lifting our hands. We count those things as foolish because we're in our natural state. And he says in verse 15, he that is spiritual judges all things. 
But he himself is judged of no man for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. And brothers, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual. But as to carnal, even as to babes. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to Christians. They're alienated from the life of God. All of the life of God is inside of the believer. The potential is there. But in that, we have to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in our inner man. That we have eyes to see and ears to hear and hands to feel that are not natural. They're spiritual. And you take hold of God. I'm going back to Ephesians and I'm about to finish. But in Ephesians chapter 3, I want you to see this. This This is what I believe is the hope of chapter 3 and the divine eternal purposes of God being fulfilled. He prays that we would be strengthened by His Spirit in the inner man in verse 16. He prays that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith in verse 17, that we would be rooted and grounded in love, that we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, and height, and to know... This is capacity. The word know there is to have the capacity to the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, because you're not going to get it with your brains, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church. That's verses 9 through 11, the eternal purposes of God. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Throughout every age, it was the desire of God that through the church of Jesus Christ, principalities and powers would be confronted with the wisdom of God. And the means by which that is going to happen is verse 20. Unto him that is able. That's God. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all that we ask or think. That's God. How does he do it? How does he do it? According to the power. What power? Where's the power? That works in you. It's the power that works in you. Florida just had an amazing, horrible, tragic hurricane strike. 155 mile an hour winds, maybe more. And you know what Floridians were doing with the threat of this storm? They were evacuating. They were leaving. Something was popping up on my phone today that even their entire houses that have been swept out into the ocean. From the force and the power of this storm. Do you know why Floridians are are evacuating from a storm of that magnitude? Do you know why people that do that? Because there is a power in that storm. A forcible power that cannot be withstood. But it's just 155 miles an hour. But man knows I cannot brace myself for the magnitude of that storm. It is more powerful than me. Beloved, you can't stand close to a fire because of the power of that heat. You can't stand close to it. You have to gauge yourself on how close you can approach to it. And then you have to keep your distance when the power of that heat is too much for you to bear. 
You cannot stand the power of a dynamo. You could not stand the power of a jet engine if you were standing right behind it. You wouldn't do that because of the force of that power. You cannot stand in the force of the power of a hurricane. And I'm talking about all power. I'm talking about almighty power. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of resurrection, the power of God. This power desires to work in you. And if this power can work in you, he is able. God is able to do exceeding abundantly what you can't even imagine or think or ask. So what is our world waiting for? Our world is waiting for Pentecostal people to come forth with relationship power by walking with God and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Where the power of God can actually work in me. Because I'm not an immature inner man. My inner man is not weak. If my inner man is weak, I can only take so much power. But the more that my inner man gets strong, the more that inner man gets mature, the more that inner man is empowered by the Holy Spirit, then the more power that inner man can take. I can get closer to the heat. I can get closer to the power. I can get closer to the hurricane because there's an inner power within me that has the capacity to work with it. And that was the prayer of Paul. And that was the desire of the Holy Spirit for the church of Jesus Christ, that all of of us and our inner man would become so strong that the power of the Holy Spirit could work through us without us hindering him. Oh God, that's enough. I can take no more. But it's like, no God, more, more, more for Jesus, more for the glory of God, more, do more through me because the Holy Spirit is enlarging your inner man. Where are the miracles today? Where's the power of God today? Where's the church of Jesus Christ confronting Marxism today? Where's the courageous spirit of, of, of evangelists and prophets and apostles on the streets of our city? Pushing back the powers of hell. Overcoming the powers of darkness. Where are those brave men and women who are willing to lose their heads? Maybe willing to be thrown into the prisons for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there is a power working inside of them that they cannot contain. And it pushes and it drives them to the gates of hell. And commands hell to let the people go. Release the captives. I'm telling the prodigals to come home. There's a power and there's authority in our life. To be able to do it. But I want you to beware. I want you to beware of this. Because you're broken. Into this power. You're broken into it. Because I'm talking about the grace of God. And I'm not talking about self effort. Or what you can attain to. And I'm not talking about self will. Because that's walking like Gentiles. But I'm talking about if the Holy Spirit's going to strengthen your inner man, he's going to break you. And many of us have faced the brokenness and the breaking of the Holy Spirit. But he does it through people wearing blue jeans and suits and dresses in our churches. And we get upset and we get angry and we get hostile and we separate ourselves and we isolate ourselves and we withdraw ourselves because of the treatment that we're receiving and because we don't like this and we'll run from this church and go to that church and then leave that church and go to this church because of all. and the whole time the Holy Spirit's just saying, I'm just trying to break you to grace. I'm trying to bring you to weakness. 
so that I can put my power inside of you because I'm not going to mix it with yourself. I want to empty you out so that I can fill you up and I can break you and I can work through you. And that is what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do through our lives. You just think you're fighting hell. But the Holy Spirit is weakening you so that hell can be destroyed through him, through your life. Jesus Christ, flesh and blood, took a cross to the top of Calvary and defeated principalities and powers. And the power of the Holy Spirit is able to take you into various situations of life where you should be defeated. And there is no way that you should still be around. There's no way that you should be loving and kind and generous and gracious. What's the explanation of that? You should be hardened and you should be mean and you should be callous. Why are you this way? And it's because the grace of God that is in your life has turned you into an apostle of love. Rather than one of anger. And what is he doing in your life? Because I, I want to warn you. If you really want to be strong in your inner man, prepare yourself. Because you're going to begin to love people like you never thought you could love people. You're not going to be able to sleep. You're not going to be able to go through the day knowing that somebody has some issue with you and you have to rectify that. People who are your enemies now begin to consume your heart with a desire that you can love them and help them and restore them. You begin to drive through the streets and you see the needs of people in your life and you can't pass by them anymore. You can't just turn your head the other way when you see the homeless on your right. There's something in you now that's compelling you. It is the glory of God and the grace of God and the humbleness of the Holy Spirit that now I love them. I have it's, it's him living in you, loving them and desiring them and longing for them. I just simply say to you tonight, I believe one of the great calls of the church of Jesus Christ in this hour is to position ourselves and to bow ourselves before God in such a way that the Holy Spirit could begin to strengthen our inner mans in such a way that he can work his power in us so he can begin to do things in our communities and in our churches that we could not ask or think. And that's what he did in the first century. The Holy Spirit just simply lived through the apostles. And he's not looking for great people. He's looking for broken people. Some of you have become mean because of things that have happened to you. You become mean. God wanted you to become low. God wasn't ruining you. God wasn't ignoring you. God was preparing you. He was humbling you. He was getting the mean out of you by exposing it to you. So I ask you this. Do you have the capacity to be God's friend? You have the potential. But do you have the capacity? I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like praising. I don't feel like loving. I don't feel like forgiving. You need to grow up. You need the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life. You need a great power to come on you. The kind of power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That will raise you from this unforgiveness. That will raise you from this abuse. 
that will raise you to life, to liberty. I want you to stand with me. I appeal to you with all of my heart that Jesus might have his glory in this hour. I appeal to you. Honestly, I come tonight begging you, praying for you, that you would be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. Are you too emotionally unstable to be God's friend, too weak to pray, too weak to praise, too carnal to set your affections above? You need a visitation of the Holy Spirit. You need God to touch you. Are you so tired of just moving the stones around at the altar? Laying the sacrifice on the altar. And you're craving the fire. Oh God, send the fire. Oh God, you make your ministers flames of fire. Make me a flame of fire, oh God. Burn within me, Father. I want to pursue you with all of my heart. I miss you, God. I miss your presence. Come on, preachers. You don't have to play a game anymore. You don't have to pretend you're strong because you're not. You don't have to pretend you got it all together because you don't. Just get raw and get real with God. Be broken to grace. Let people go. Let the power of God work in your life. Let God have his glory in this generation. Let the power of God be known in this generation. The wisdom of God demonstrated. Don't sit there or stand there with your mind. Oh, I beg you, church, don't stand there with your mind. Thinking in your own thoughts, your own power, your own reasoning. You know if you're on fire or not. You know if your heart's cold or not. You know how strong you are in the Lord or not. You know if God speaks to you. Some of you, it's been so long God has spoken to you. You seek messages, not God. You seek sermons, not the anointing. You want man's approval, not God's glory. Oh, dear God, come. Fire of God, come tonight. Transform us, Lord, for you deserve your glory. Jesus deserves his glory in this hour. Oh, God, help us. Would you make room for the Holy Spirit tonight? Listen, it's not about where you've been. It's about where you're going. And it's not what you've done. It's what you're doing and you're going to do. What are you going to do for God? By faith, by belief, by the Holy Spirit working in you. Where will you go? Who will you touch? What will he do through your life? Do you want to see things that only the Holy Spirit can show you? Do you want your ears to hear what he has to say? You want him to touch you with things that are otherworldly? He says that he will. Oh, God, enlarge me tonight. Where are the youth? Where are the young people? Crying to God. Lord, you said... In the last days, you'd pour your spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters would prophesy. Oh, God, touch me. Where are the youth? 
Where are the youth fighting for the glory of God? Where are the parents? Do you think you can push back this hell in this day? Do you think you can fight the flood of this aggression of hell through Marxism and gender confusion and immorality and a woke culture? Do you think you can fight that with scriptures and quotations without the power of the Holy Spirit? The scriptures are powerful through the Spirit of God. Oh, come on, parents. Your children are being taken from you. Your grandchildren are being taken from you. It's not saying the right thing. It's being pressed upon by the Holy Spirit to intercede with groanings that you cannot even utter. It's not too late. They're not too far gone. It's not a hopeless situation. Marxism doesn't have to take us over. It doesn't have to. Where is the church? Where is the Pentecostal people with large anointings on their life because they've been broken so small they've been made so weak that they're so strong oh God oh God come to us Lord come to us Lord come in this hour God we've had conferences and camp meetings and Bible studies and video schools and books oh God we've got them everywhere but where is the fire God Where's the fire? Oh, God, bring the fire tonight. Oh, dear God, for Jesus. For Jesus, Lord. Oh, for your wisdom to be demonstrated in this hour. Show them a supernatural church. Oh, God. So many people have been trying in Christianity to make themselves something with God. You cannot do it cannot do it. Jesus has done it. It's to believe him and it's to receive. To believe him and to receive. Oh, his grace wants to work in your life. Boy, you got a a child in this altar. Why are you not over them praying, interceding? Oh my God, it's a holy moment. It's a holy moment. There are kids in this altar who desire and God to come to them. Come on, parents, get with them. Come on, preachers, get with them. Pray for them. Believe God. There has to be. Let this be the night. Let this be the night. Everything changes. It's not the presence of God that makes the difference, but the awareness of that presence. God, make me aware. Give me eyes to see. Let Christ dwell in my heart by faith, Lord. Oh, Jesus, help me. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Come on for this cause. For this cause. For the cause of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Oh, God. Aren't you tired? Is there not somebody else here that's just so tired of the church thing? You want the reality. I want the spiritual reality. I want to eat the bread. I want to drink the water. I want to touch the Christ. I want to touch him. Oh, I want to go into the secret place and just be with him. I want to love people. Oh, God, I want to love people. I want you to love people through me, God. I want to love my enemies, God. I want to bless those who curse me, God. I want to do good, Lord, to those who use me. 
Oh, I want your nature, Jesus. I want your nature to live in me. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Aren't you tired of the depression? Aren't you tired of the despair? Aren't you tired of the weakness? Aren't you tired of just saying, when, 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 when now is the when, now, tonight, right now, right now, open up your heart, cry out to God, cry out to God. But I'm going to tell you, the only way you receive is by grace through faith. You can't cry enough tears to get this. You just believe by grace through faith. And it's all yours. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could think or ask. This world is waiting to be won by lovers of God. Lovers of God. Oh, God. I long to love you. I long to love you, Jesus. Oh, God, I long to love you. Lord, let this night be like no other night in my life, God. Like no other night in my life. Oh, Jesus. You're watching your family fall apart, but it doesn't have to. watching your mom and your daddy destroy your family but they don't have to there's a power greater than them there's a power greater than the addiction that your grandchildren are in there's a greater power than that addiction oh let this power work in you just begin to bring it to God